Thank you for listening to another message from New Sound Church and our lead pastor, Josh Monty. For more information about us, you can check out our website at newsound.church, or you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook. We want to thank you for joining us today. We would love to hear how these messages are impacting your life. Share your story with us at story at newsound.church. Enjoy the message. Man, if you're just checking us out, a special welcome to you. My name is Josh Monty, and I have the privilege of serving here as the lead pastor. And we're excited that we're, you're here today for week two of our Family Matters series. And man, we love it because we love families. We love you guys. And, and we're excited for all that God's doing in your families. Uh, last week was just one of those moments in the life of the church that I think would mark us. And if you didn't get a chance to be here with us, you know, all of our messages we put online. So you can go to our website, newsound.church, and, and check those out. And we'd, we'd love for you to check out even some of our past series. And we really loved last week and what God was doing. And we just said, listen, anybody in the world can see dirt. Man, but it takes somebody that loves you to try to wash it off. And so we've all got dirt. I got issues. You got issues. Oh, God's children got issues. And if you don't think you got issues, that's your issue. I met some of you. You think you ain't got no issues. That's your issue. But we said last week, look, we're going to keep the main thing the main thing. And, and I'm not the main thing. To care and to think about other people and let that be the priority. Now, to answer the question that you're all asking yourself, why is he not wearing his glasses? You don't know, I do wear glasses, and um, my vision uh, is super good from here to the front row, um, but it's very fitting that in the middle of a Family Matters series that my beautiful, awesome, gorgeous, smoking hot wife <laughs> ran over my glasses with her minivan this week. So... So we just up here just winging it today, just winging it. If these notes fall off, I can't see the monitor in the back. I'm just going to start making stuff up, and let's hope that large portions of what I say will be in the Bible. So that's the best we can hope for today. So today, I, I really felt like if we're going to talk about family and what, what it means to do family and, 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 and life together... We've got to talk about, I think we've got to talk about kind of the, the, the elephant in the room, and it, and it is this, that generations are changing rapidly, uh, that, that I think what worked 50 years ago is just, it's proven it's just not working, that the boomers, when polled, uh, 45% of the boomer generation believed and, and said that the Bible was the infallible word of God. Well, the millennials then now when polled, only 4% believe that the Bible is the Word of God. And this next generation, the kind of the post-9-11 generation, the, the children that we're raising, they believe that this could be the last generation that America could be known as a Christian nation. So we have a problem. And the reality is, if we're 100% honest, um, it's it's kind of the church's fault because everything just changed and moved. And listen, I don't believe in changing the message, 
But I am passionately convinced that sometimes you got to shift the methods. And you know that in the last 25 years, 85% of the young people, that when they left high school, they left the church and they haven't come back. No business, no, not one single business in the world would take an 85% loss for 25 to 30 years and refuse to change the model. Only the church has historically been arrogant enough to say, well, it didn't work for me, so it's not going to work for my kids either. Because the reality is, if we're 100% honest, even if we were raised in church, by parents that loved God, and did the best they could, we got into our late high school years and our early 20s, maybe our late 20s, Maybe we let it sneak into our 30s, early 40s, where we stayed the center of our own universe, and we rejected the faith of our youth, and then we started coming back around. There's different things that catalyze that. I mean, sometimes it's you're getting married, and you're having kids, and you're thinking, you know, they took us to church when I was a kid. I'm going to do that for my kids, and we start trying to figure that thing out, but the reality is... The idea of raising up the next generation to fall in love with God is a daunting task, especially when I'm, sta- I'm, when I'm talking about numbers that are 85% of the kids leaving when they leave high school. So we've got to change. And I don't think it's more programs. I don't think it's fancier youth groups. I don't think it's more lock-ins. I don't think it's PlayStations at church. I don't, I don't think it's all of those things that we've tried to use to be band-aids to get kids in the building. I, I think it is the restoration of the family as the primary discipleship tool available to the world today. It's you, it's me, it's us together. And that's a hard thing to figure out. It's it's easy to say, hard to do. I'm not saying, hey, listen, I've got it all figured out. I mean, we're in the early throes of this. We have four children, but they're just now starting to get to that age where I realize the world has a plan for them. God's got a plan for them, and the first one to the table wins. And in the, in the battle for their character and in the battle for their soul, I want to be the loudest voice in the room. But even as a pastor, there are days I wake up and think, Lord, have mercy. I don't know if I got it in me. And so I know it's hard. But together, I want to take a look at maybe what the Bible might offer as a plan or as a path for us to begin to influence the generation that's coming up. So you say, well, I don't have kids. Well, that's good because this isn't a parenting message. It's a discipleship message that if you have kids, they should be your primary focus. But if you don't have kids, this stuff works everywhere. You know, last week, if you're, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. If you missed it and you can go back, we have an app. You can open that app up and you can actually take notes in the app, which is great. And my notes and slides are actually already loaded into the app. So it makes it a little easier for you to follow along. But last week we said this, I will keep the main thing, the main thing, and I'm not the main thing. See, discipleship and raising up a next generation, honestly, even allowing church to look different than maybe it used to, is predicated on the idea that I'm just not going to be the center of the universe that I live in. It's amazing to me how often I've had to try to wrestle the church back away from people that are on their way to heaven already. 
And we get our pet theologies or our pet programs or our pet desires. And the pastor, if you be funny, but don't be that funny. Be serious, but calm down. Say it long enough, but don't waste my time. Get me in here and get me out so that I can punch my card. And in your own personal growth and in the growth of the local church and the growth of your family, you can't remain the center of the universe and all of this work out. So I'll keep the main thing the main thing, and it's, it's not me. We've got to say it's not you. I'm going to keep the main thing the main thing. In Deuteronomy, the, God's people are in what would be known as the Exodus. So there's, and, 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 the, and the numbers vary diff, depending on the historian, but we can at least very, 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 very conservatively say at this point in history, we are talking about hundreds of thousands of people are now their full-time job, their life is just being in Exodus. They're just in the wilderness trying to get from a place where they were in captivity to the thing that God promised for them. And can I tell you this? Everybody in, in different seasons of your life, we all end up in a version of our own Exodus where it's between the place where we were in prison, but we're not living in the freedom that God's promised yet. And it's so sad for me to see people that are on their way to heaven but living every day like they're in hell. You're in that desert place. And this church was started six months ago to help get you out of the desert and into the thing that God has for you. In Deuteronomy 6, he begins to lay out what we should be thinking about as it would pertain to the next generation, to the people that are coming up behind us. And he says it in this way, love the Lord your God. He said, this doesn't work if God's not your focus. They don't need a new program. They don't need a new Sunday school curriculum. He said, what what you've got to figure out, like you've got to start with, you better fall in love with God because otherwise it's just going to be too hard. Love the Lord your God. And he said, you've got to go all in with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. He said, with everything you've got. And he said, these commandments, not suggestions, these commandments that I give you today, he said, I need you to take this super serious And then verse 7, impress them on your children. I would stop there, and I think it's worth just stopping there and saying the world has some things it wants to impress on your children. Okay? The world has some things it wants to impress on your children. Self-centeredness. This is the selfie generation. You know how many people are, a young man the other day in London took his own life Because he couldn't get the right selfie. He had learned to hate his own image so much that he thought the world would be better off without him. I mean, can you you imagine? He's wanting to, the world has to impress like, hey, get more stuff. Get more stuff and that'll make it feel better. I don't know if you've ever gotten stuff, but it never makes things easier. It always just makes it more complicated. More stuff. The world has a thing that it's trying to push down onto your kids. And what he's saying here is, no, you push harder. I want to go after the notion that I've heard sometimes said by parents, by well-meaning parents. Well-meaning, listen, you say things like this. Listen, yeah, I want my kids to grow up and love Jesus. and, and and, And I want my kids serving. And I want my kids in church every Sunday. But, you know, I was drugged to church. And I don't want to put that on them. Well, the only reason you're here and desire for them to know Jesus is because somebody drug you to church. 
Now listen, I'm not talking about forcing religion on your kids, and we're going to talk about that. But I am talking about modeling for them a passionate love for Jesus Christ and then being the first one to the table every day. The world says, hey, what matters on Instagram is more important. Jesus says what matters in the quiet place is more important. You better impress one thing on them because kids are out there and they're, 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 they're trying to find a blessing in this life on this online version of themselves. And listen, next gen, let me tell you something. If you're in love with likes and you're in love with shares and you're in love with how many people comment on your thing, I need you to understand something. There is not an anointing for your avatar. There is not an anointing from the creator of the universe for who you pretend to be. The anointing is only for the actual you. But we are real good at putting an image out there. Now, we've been doing it for a long time. So the older generation, we're super good, right? We're like, oh, these kids and their Britney Spears records and their Instagrams. You did it your whole life. We did it in the public, though. So we fought the whole way to church. We were, we're miserable. We can't stand our family the kids are driving us crazy, but when you get to church, what do we do? Right before we pull in the parking lot, we give the kids the speech. Anybody ever given their kids the speech before you let them out somewhere? You say, yes, ma'am, you say, yes, sir, or I'll kill you in that place. I'll kill you. Hey, listen, big one, I'll beat you to death with the little one. If you get in there and you start running your mouth, you're going to get in there, you're going to sit down, you're going to sing. When pastor says something, you can say amen, but if anything else comes out of your mouth, we're going to the bathroom. Anybody ever had to go to the bathroom? Huh? Hey, don't take, hey, come on. Your life got bad if you were in a restaurant and a grown folk looked at you and said, do we need to go to the bathroom? My kids don't understand that because in this day and age, they'll send you to jail. In my day and age, they were beating you with the air dryer in the, Say something again at that. Ask, hey, ask for dessert when I didn't tell you you could get dessert at the table again. Just beating kids. The table. It was a different world. But then we go to church and we, we pretend like everything's together. So listen, let's not, let's not get it twisted. We have become world class at presenting a version of ourselves to the world that is very different than the one that happens in the quiet place. I'm, I'm begging you to let those two people meet and begin to chase after wholeness and begin to chase after integrity and begin to chase after that in your own life because I think what our kids are watching is duplicity and it's confusing. I'm there. I get there. I mean, I tell people, you know, man, we, guys, I'm telling my kids we need the fruit of the Spirit and, you know, and patience and kind gentleness self-control and then I get a dumb email from somebody and I'm back in my bedroom going I'll kill everybody I'll I'll drive over to their house Kim get the keys I'm driving to their house right now and then my, I know my son's got to be sitting there thinking gentleness and self-control yeah drive to their house dad that seems like the right next play We come into church, I see it all the time. I'm like, how's everything going? Oh, pastor. <laughs> mm. Praise this. I'm too blessed to be stressed, pastor. <laughs> I'm too anointed to be disappointed. Hallelujah. Praises, 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 praises. <laughs> and all the while, your kids look nasty. They got a 
seven-week-old Kool-Aid mustache, all dirty, mismatched socks. You look like you and your husband fought the whole way to church. And I'm just thinking, gosh, I wish in this place we could just be honest. So I need you to know, in this church, you have permission. When I say, how are things going, you don't have to say, I'm too blessed to be stressed. You can say, I've had the worst week of my life, but I'm here. You can say, I hate my kids, but I'm here, okay? I hate my job. We ain't got no money. Everybody's driving me crazy. I wanted to fight somebody at Publix, but I'm here. When I say, how's everything going, why don't you say, listen, I watched a little porn last night. I'm still a little drunk, and me and the wife fought the whole way here, and I hate my kids, but good luck today. Good luck, Pastor. I hope that message really breaks through all the junk storm that's in my life. Because this isn't supposed to be a museum for good people. It's supposed to be a hospital for sick people, but it only works. And you're only going to raise great kids and, and you're only going to raise a family that's in love with Jesus when you stop pretending that you're not. Yeah. Like, you, like, you, you, like we are so good. Like we're, we are so good at putting out a version. I'm just begging you. Let's just let that version die today. And just wherever you are, I need you to know that in this house, we're going to take you right where you are. Because I think that's the love of the Father. Religion will say, go get yourself cleaned up and then come to church. We'd love to have you. Jesus said, no, 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 no. I love you, boy. And I don't love everything you're doing. But give your life to me and then we'll go after the stuff that you're doing. And we get it twisted. Whoa, we twist it. We twist it. And he said, listen, this duplicity that's in your life, may it could be that the reason our kids are walking away is they've just never seen us living this thing out in a way that wasn't one face in the world and one face at home. And we just say, listen, God, the best I know how, I repent for it. The, be the best way I know how, God, I'm just going to try to be the same guy all the time. And he said, impress this. Love God. He said, you got to start there. And he said, you have to personally start there. Love God with everything you got. And then he said, when you get to that place, he said, you impress it on your kids. They say, I don't really feel like going to church today. You want to eat tonight? You want to eat food on the inside of this house? Then I'll see you at church, baby. Uh-huh, praises. I don't want to go, I don't want to go to a youth small group. Uh, would you like school books this year? Would you like tennis shoes? Then we'll see you at church impress it you go but i don't want to force it on my kids it was forced on me i think the only reason that you're sitting in the room today is somebody loved you enough to drag you in the room yeah. impress it he says impress it on your kids and then he kind of gives us the remedy for like when or the recipe for when that should be happening he said do it he said i need you to talk about it when you sit at home so like when you're when you're at home so do you talk about it with your family now, have you ever, do you, let me, can I ask this? What I, can, I say, can I ask it in this way? Do your kids know your story? Now listen, I understand that there are ages, like when your kids ate, and then it was like, well then kids, that's when they rolled the keg out. And then I was, and I realized your daddy was great. I can personally hold a handstand we found out for three minutes at a time. Like, <laughs> like not all stories need to get shared all at the same time. 
But do your kids know what Jesus has delivered you from? Do your kids understand, like, hey, I'm a work in progress too. But it was my relationship with Jesus that set me free. We keep telling our kids, get better, get better, get better, get better, get better. But they're watching our lives going to be like you, like you, like you, like you. So he said, talk about it with your kids. Talk about it when you're at home. He said, talk about it. Like, I have a faith, son. I'm raising four kids. i got to look at three little girls and tell them, hey, listen, I, I love God, but I, I haven't always respected women in the way that they need to be respected. And I need you to know that now I, I, I treat your mommy in a certain way because the Bible shows me that there is, a, there is beauty in, in serving that relationship and, and treating that thing like honor and with honor. And t- so I'm going to have to have that conversation. He said, have you ever talked about it with your family? He said, so when you're at home, have the conversation. I think your kids would be shocked to know, especially if they're grown, the things that God has delivered you from. And I believe it could be faith for their future that God can pull them out of the mess that they're currently in. Have you talked about it? He said, talk about it when you sit at home. And then he says, when you walk along the road. Well, at that point, walking along the road was their job. They were in Exodus. So a a way to say that for us would be, so talk about it with your family, but then talk about it in your community, like whatever that would be. So if you're a student, if you are, uh, if you work, uh, whatever that would look like, uh, he said, talk about, like, let people know in your workplace, like in your school, in those places, when you're doing the thing that you do so that you can eat food and live inside, he said, talk about it in those environments. I wonder how many people that we work with would be shocked to see us in this room right now. Uh, you seriously, bro? Really? I heard that joke you told. I'm not trying to condemn you, but I'm saying, man, what, if, what would it look like? What would your witness to the world look like? What would it look like if he just said, listen, take Jesus with you, love the Lord your God with everything you got, and then he said, impress that on your family, and he said, and do that when you're at the house, talk to him about it. He said, when you're uh, at work, talk to him about it. And then he says, and then he finishes with this, when you lie down and when you get up. He said, in those quiet times. Let me, can, can I ask you this? We're, t- we're talking about discipleship. We're talking about, have your kids ever accidentally stumbled in on you in the full presence of God? I'm not talking about Sunday. Listen, I'm glad that you're here, and I'm glad that, man, what worship was amazing. We have so many talented people, but, but I, have they ever come in with you on your face because you just couldn't stand in the presence of God? Have they ever come in and just stumbled in on you worshiping? Maybe reading your Bible or taking notes or just praying. I wonder what that would do to the faith of the next generation to just see that it wasn't a class that we took or a place where we went. It was just a life that we live for a God that we serve. So he said, everywhere you go, I'm just asking you, what if we took it with us? What if it went everywhere? So in regards to family matters, I want to give you a few thoughts. I'm going to give you four thoughts today that might help us. One, I, I want you to, this is the first thought would be kind of a reprioritization thought. It would be this, don't give away something that only you can do for something someone else can do. See, 
only you can be mommy and daddy to those babies. Like, there's a lot of other people that can step in and do a lot of other things. They can close that deal. They can, they can, um, they can send that email. Uh, they, can, they can follow up on that project. There's a lot of people that can do that. But only you in the world can be mommy and daddy to those babies. And I wondered is how many years we've given away sacrificing letting somebody else do what we could do. So maybe I would encourage you in this way. You ever heard the, the phrase, um, work smarter, not harder? You ever heard? See, that's not in the Bible. In fact, the Bible is replete with verses of how much God honors hard work. So we're going to be super hardworking. That's who we're going to be. But maybe I would say it to you in this way. Work harder, not longer. Like, get home. Get home. Hey, dads, listen to me. Listen, I know, like... I know you're trying to close that deal. I know, I know things are coming. Hey, listen, trust me. I've been in a season where my, my, my work days have gone in much farther into the evening than I would like. But I'm begging you and I'm working on it myself. Like when you get home, be all the way home. Take that cell phone and put it by the front door and just say, I know hell's coming for me tonight, but I'll deal with it in the morning because I got to raise a generation that loves Jesus. So I'm going to put it down. And I'm just going to give them everything I've got. I wonder how many, this generation right now, I think one of the tragedies is we're with our kids, but we're not there because we're trying to tell the world that we're with them. Well, who gives a rip? What somebody on my Insta story, if you know that I took my son to lunch because the whole time I wasn't even asking him how his soul was because I wanted you to know that I took him to lunch. And then what he's learned is daddy likes me as a marketing tool to share with the world that he could be a good dad if he'd put that thing down and say hey to me. When we're in the room, be there. Be in it. Be all the way in it. So I don't say work smarter, not harder. Let's be the hardest working people in the room. It's a value of the Monty family. Be the hardest working people in the room. That's what we want to be. We're going to work harder. We're just not going to work longer. We're going to get that thing done. We're going to go to the house and know that it's coming and we'll attack it the next day. I need need my kids to know I'm here with you. You're my priority. Your greatest contribution to the world might not be something you do, but someone you raise. I may not be the next Billy Graham, but I may be raising him. But to get him there, number two, you got to speak life. Ooh, that's hard because kids are frustrating. They're very frustrating. Do you have any children? No, that's why you look so rested. Mm-hmm. It's so fresh. I hope you take the most beautiful nap today. And then will you will you text me and tell me what it's like? You see, the problem in the journey of trying to raise a family is that it's so easy in the chaos to constantly be speaking to them about what they are doing wrong and who they are not becoming. And I, I found myself in that place, but I love in Proverbs 18, 21, it, you know this verse, it says, 
the tongue, it has this amazing power. It has the power of life in it, but it also has the power of death in it. And those who love it will eat its fruit. And I imagine that some of you men, listen to me, some of you are not getting home. You're still working harder and longer, and you're not doing it because you're still waiting for a father that's never going to say the words to tell you well done and that he's proud of you. You're killing yourself to hear the words of somebody that's never going to utter them. And you say, I'm doing this for my family. No, you're doing it because they never told you. I'm proud of you and it has nothing to do with what you do. I wonder what it would look like to begin to speak life and power. So this is what we end up doing with our kids. Don't touch that. Don't smoke that. Don't drink that. Don't talk to them. Don't do that. What if we flipped it on its ear and instead began to speak, you are a leader, you are a world changer, you were actually created to change this entire county. I don't know if you know that, son, but if you make those kinds of decisions, it's going to take you out of position for your blessing. It's going to take you out of position for the anointing that God has for you. So, son, I'm not giving you rules to live by. I'm going to give you a cause to live for and I wonder what it would begin to look because sometimes like you've never uttered to your kids you say oh you're fat or you're lazy or you're this or you're that or you're no good or you're all these things and you know what they are living into every single word you're saying but what if we said no you're a leader you're a conqueror. You're an ambassador. You're a world changer. You may not be all of these things today. We know that but I know that's who you're stepping into. I remind Jacob sometimes when he begins to act crazy and, and there's just stuff that he's doing that I'm not proud of, we really try in our house, instead of telling him, hey, you need to cut that out, you need to da-da-da-da-da, we say almost the same thing to him every time. Hey, son, you're a leader. Just remind him. Everybody in the room, son, is watching what you are going to do in this moment. You're a leader. Not, hey, stop this, don't do this, you'll never be this, come on, grow up. Now, the reason that we're able to do this is I learned something a long time ago. I had the amazing privilege of being a part of our great United States military. And when you go into the military, they get to do a thing called basic training. Now, it's, it's actually um, the, uh, the worst experience that you can... I had a guy, I had a drill sergeant, I'll never forget him, his, his name was Drill Sergeant Ernest Buford, and um, he was a large man, and um, he was a scary man, and when I would be standing there at parade rest, he would walk up to me very quietly, we had this little Irish drill sergeant named Doherty, and he would just walk around and just, I'm going to kill you, and I'm going to kill your family, and blah, 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 but not Buford, he would just come up and quietly whisper into my ear, hey. When we go out in the woods today, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> and then I'll be standing there like, <laughs> am I the only person that heard this? Am I the only person that heard this? <laughs> he can't kill me. He will kill me. <laughs> See, basic training was this process of destroying every idea that I had about how things should operate in the world. And they were going after one thing and one thing only immediate compliance with instruction 
And the reason they did that is because they knew that there would be a time after that where they could begin the process of actually training me to do something of value. But the initial process was just immediate compliance. And so I would give you this thought. If you're going to raise a great disciple of Christ, if you're going to raise a, a great kid, you need to train in times of peace and discipline in times of conflict. Okay, listen to me. Train in times of peace. That means when nothing's going on. I want, to, I want to ask you this question. Just think about it. Just When was the last time you talked to your kid about like being honest when they hadn't just lied to you? Like, when was the last time you talked to your kid about, like, being a hard worker when they hadn't ignored cutting the grass like you told them to? You see, the problem is when we mix training and discipline together in this one room, in this one moment, they're not hearing the training, they're listening for the punishment. And so you have to, if you're going to raise a great soldier, if you're going to raise a great disciple for jesus if you're going to raise a great son or a great daughter you have to you have to discipline uh when when conflict comes drop the hammer we don't do that we don't say that we don't but it'll only stick and lives will only change when you begin to train when there's peace in the house it could be the greatest thing you introduce into your marriage when was the last time you actually tried to make your marriage better when you weren't in a fight with each other we wait till there's a fight, and now there's war. And because there's war, you're not listening to what I'm actually saying and why I'm actually hurt. You're listening for the punishment. So we train in times of peace, and we discipline in times of conflict. And if we would separate those two things, they would actually hear what you're saying. That means you're going to have to actually schedule a lunch with your son with your daughter, where you go sit down and you talk about all the things they could become. Some areas in their life where you see, hey, this could be a blind spot for you, but as your dad, I love you a lot, and I want to help you begin to work through it. That way, when the problem arises, it's not the first time they've ever even been given the information. So we're going to train in times of peace, and we're going to discipline in times of conflict. And so that means you're going to have to set some ground rules and some vision for your family when you're not fighting with it. Get a big old plate of ribs. Get some cornbread. Mmm, praises. Get some greens. I'm from the South. Don't be afraid to get some greens in there. And then say, hey, listen, son, daughter, I see some things wife i see something i wonder if we could work on some things since everybody's happy eating ribs maybe we could talk about some things where we could all get better the third thing you're gonna have to figure out how to do and this is going to be tough but you've got to figure it out if you're going to raise great kids you got to love their mom and dad you got to love their mom or dad you got to like you got to love them like deeply love them they got to know you love them my kids when my wife's in the kitchen and i come in man i smooch her to death like i just all over the place she's sitting here it's probably not always fun for her um i don't know i've never asked <laughs> um but i just smooch on her and all that and my kids they do the same thing every time they're like oh stop it we can't look at this this is the grossest thing we've ever seen stop 
And I wonder, and, it's, and we laugh about it all the time, they never look away even though they act like it's the worst thing they've ever seen. And it's because there's nothing that makes them happier in their soul, in the base part of them that they will not be able to understand until they're much older than knowing that their daddy deeply loves their mommy. They know that. And they see that all the time. And I think sometimes there's conflict and we're, we're raising kids that just are dying to get away from us because what they see in the home is nothing but conflict. I came across some studies I came across some studies that I think are very interesting. Let me just, I'm going to, just a couple, real quick. Um, uh, a bad relationship between parents can actually uh, affect children during infancy. According to research done by Science Daily in 2011, research studied 350 families with babies who were nine months old at the beginning of the study. The families with a high level of marriage problems. The babies had more sleeping problems than, um, than when they were, uh, 18 months old, uh, either having a hard time falling asleep or staying asleep. The research observed families with adopted children to rule out biological disposition for sleep disorders and also ruled out other factors such as birth order and temperament. Parents should be aware, here's the quote from Science Daily, that marital stress may affect the well-being of their children even in the first year of life. Uh, research studies showed a group of children um, for three years, beginning when the children were six, Children who reported concerns about how their parents got along with each other were at significantly higher risk for having problems paying attention. The problems began one year after the children reported concerns. Researchers speculated the children may have developed the habit of diverting their attention from their current situation in order to deal with the chaos in their home environment. That maybe ADD is just a fruit of you and me. That we're just, they have learned the ability to divert attention. And they, because they've been doing it their whole life. Uh, in a study out of Notre Dame, a bad relationship between parents can affect a child for years. Research, researchers discovered that children whose parents engaged in frequent harsh fighting when the children were in kindergarten experienced mental health and behavioral problems when they were in the seventh grade. The children experience more depression, anxiety, and emotional insecurity. He um, said their emotional insecurity increased as a result of the conflict. So maybe one of the most simple things that you can do right now, today, is just make the decision to, to pour everything I have into loving their mom or dad. That I wonder how many problems we would abate, how, many, how, many, how much tension would go down. And I, need you to, and I need to say this because some of you right now are going, my children have watched us, cats and dogs, throwing stuff, say all of the things that we wanted to say. Can I tell you, it's never too late to look at your babies and say, hey, mom and dad are a work in progress, we're sorry. We deeply love each other because we believe in you. Because we believe in you, we've got to get better at us. But I need you to go to bed tonight knowing that mom and dad love each other. Some of you are in a position where you've experienced divorce. I've been there, raised in that environment. Let's just make the decision that we uh, can't go back and, and fix the things that have transpired. Uh, we can't reset that clock. But we can guard our mouths now in this season. Because no good now will come 
of turning their mom or dad into a monster in their eyes. No good. And they, hey, and they may actually be just bad news. But no good will come of destroying them in the eyes of those babies. And so as a mom and as a dad, I'm going to swallow down that thing. I'm not going to say what I wish I could say. And I'm going to believe that I'm sowing seed that we're going to get to reap when they're in 7th grade, 8th grade, ninth grade, high school, raising their own babies. You know, my mom and dad, they didn't stay together. I don't know the story behind it. I don't know the conflict that they had. I don't know the things that they went through. But you know what? You couldn't get mom to say a bad thing about dad. You couldn't get dad to say an ugly thing about mom. They just spoke life and spoke life and spoke life. And it seemed like even their words became the glue that when my family was torn apart, their words somehow bound us together. You can make the choice. If you haven't been good at it in this season so far, it's okay because, hey, listen, all things are brand new under the cross. And we can say, listen, family, I repent. Kids, listen, I've said things. But from this day forward, you're not going to get those words to come out of my mouth. Because I know for your soul, I need you to know I love your mom or I love you, dad, and if for no other reason in the world, I'll give you one. You. See, for all their faults, I got you in the deal. I win. Think what it would do to the soul of your family when we would put away the need to be right and just keep that family right. so today, I just want to close with that. Because I do think that that's probably... Oh, every, everything I have said today is easier said than done. 100%. Maybe that's taking off the mask and just being honest with how things are actually going. And the idea of that is so scary because you've been trained both by the church and the world that if you ever came clean, they would crucify you. That's not going to happen here. I know we're not going to figure it all out at once, but I need you, let's begin to trust each other. Maybe for some of you, the simple act of just coming down after service and just praying with somebody. Maybe it would be the first time you ever told your actual situation out loud. We have people down here after every service. Maybe you would just start there. Maybe for some of you, it's, you're going to need to go home today and you're going to need to look at your spouse and say, listen, I... I've loved you in my heart, but maybe not with my words, maybe not with my actions, and definitely not in a way that our kids would know. Maybe for some of us, it's our words. We've just beaten our kids to death with who they are not. Let's just talk to them about who they could be. Maybe for some of us, we need to call an ex-spouse. And just say, hey, listen, I've made this hard and I, I won't anymore. I'm sorry. I always tell guys, hey, you want to make a great apology? Stop at the comma. Huh? You know what I'm talking about? Hey, listen, I'm super sorry that I said all the things I said, comma, but you've been acting like a, you know, like, like, stop at the comma. 
An apology is not an apology if there's a comma involved. Stop at the comma. Listen, I'm sorry that I said the things that I've said. Please forgive me. Semicolon. But if you ever do anything like... no. (laughs) Stop at the comma. Some of us need to do that today. So today as we we close, I, I pray that God, I know He's speaking to you about whatever thing, and it's all different for us. Can I be 100% transparent with you? I've messed up on every single thing I talked about today. Today. I'm not asking you to figure out a way to be like me. But I know for our families to be great, we've all got to be more like Jesus. And every time, when when, when Jesus gave us these things that I'm talking about, acceptance, the Bible says accept just as. Forgive just as. Love just as. Submit just as. Serve just as. And I think it could change the next generation. I think it could change your family right now. I think it could change your heart right now. I think it could change your marriage right now. I think it could change your workplace environment right now. I think it could change your soul right now. And so I just want to invite you. We're just going to take a moment and just pray. And I don't know where you're at in the room. I don't know where you're at in your journey. Maybe everything I mentioned today you've got to work on. I know I do. God, give us the grace. Every night I put my babies to bed. It's fun to hear them start to pray things back that I pray over their life. And every night I say the same thing to my babies. We'll pray for whatever thing is going on, and then I'll say this. Father, forgive us. Jesus, forgive us of our sins today, but give us the grace to be better tomorrow. There's nothing like hearing your little six-year-old girl with her lisp asking for grace. It'll change you. So God, give us the grace. Forgive us of our sins and give us the grace. We're going to get better today. We love you. Father, we love you. Church, right there, could you just pray it in, 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 in your own way? God, I acknowledge like my words have become toxic either to my children or, or to my spouse or to my coworkers or just in general. I, I'm constantly speaking about who someone is not instead of who they could become. Maybe for you it's realizing today, like I've just been at the office too much. I got to get home and I got to get on the floor. Maybe we've kind of relegated the role of impressing this thing on our kids. We've pushed it off. Not, Not anymore. Jesus, I give you my life. I give you the life of my family. I ask for grace. Maybe for all of us today, you need this. Father, forgive me of the sins that have come to my mind today. Things I didn't even realize that I was doing that probably grieve your heart. But God, I'm asking for grace. I'm asking for your grace. I need to be better. 
So I give you everything that I am. I give you my life. Believing you can make all things new. Church, right there, I just think it, just have a moment right there in your seat, just before you and God. I used to think if I didn't tell him what I was doing wrong, he wouldn't know. He knows, and he just wants you to come to him right now. Acknowledge the sin in your life. Confess it to him, just right there. Say, God, I'm turning from it right now. Come on, right there in your own words, just pray it right there in your seat. Lift it up to heaven. Thank you for listening. We would love to have you join us at New Sound for one of our weekend experiences. Check out our website for times and directions at newsound.church. We would love to hear how these messages are impacting your life. Please share your story with us at story at newsound.church.